What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football, Bleacher Report's college football and NFL draft podcast. I'm your host, Matt Miller. Coming to you from New York today, I finally get to sit in the big boy studio and look at Connor. Not just hear you, I get to look at you and see you roll your eyes at my takes. And it's hard to believe this is your first time in the Bleacher Report podcast-specific studio. So it's great to have Matt here. We are coming off what was an absolute blast of a national championship. Maybe not everyone agrees because the lack of Really wasn't a competitive game. No, overall. and Alabama fans don't agree. But there's so many reasons to be really happy for Clemson. The guys that returned to school for this national title, for yeah. this rematch. The guys that, you know, are rising stars in the college football world and can't even enter the draft. We're going to break down all of that today. So we have a lot to talk about. The coaching cycle right now in the NFL is getting absolutely crazy. This is the time. It's it's really halfway through that second week. So we're getting to the tail end of everyone's interviews. We're already seeing some hires. Obviously, Green Bay is going to be introducing a new coach now and Matt LaFleur. So, dude, we, we're, uh, we have a lot to go through right now as we enter really almost the offseason mode. Yeah, I think so. Like today's show is going to be a lot of news and a lot of an analysis. We don't have a lot of like gimmicks planned for you today with, you know, top fives or would you rathers. It's just we're going to try to react to a lot of what we've seen and a lot of what we've heard. Uh, I think we do have to start with the national title game. Uh, number one, I am depressed because college football's over. Uh, and like that. I hate that feeling of like, oh, college football's over. So uh, I'm going to drink myself out of this depression. That'll be great for me. Uh, secondly, I think something that we said on the Monday morning show when we previewed this game, me, you, and Mello, was that you picked Clemson, so congrats. Thank and you. you could, like, feel Mello wanting to, but, like, wouldn't do it. He really wanted to. He was like, I'm rooting for Clemson. I just can't pick them. He agreed with me that they would cover. Yeah, and they did more than cover. They did Jesus a lot more Christ. than cover, which is uh, crazy. I picked Bama, so I have to own that. But I think the thing, the major takeaway is that, like, there is not just one national power in college football. A lot of people tuned out this year because they were like, Man, I don't want to just watch Alabama roll people. And they did all year long. I mean, just time after time, they, they, you know, beating people by 30, 40 points on the regular. And we forgot about the fact that Clemson also went undefeated. So I I think you have to congratulate Clemson on a great season capped off by uh, a fantastic game last night of just, I mean, absolute domination on a lot of different levels. And I, I think that for as much as this season was about like the rise of Tua. Last night, as we're recording this, so Monday night's game was the rise of Trevor Lawrence as I think now the face of college football. And let's jump the gun a little bit because this is what we do. He's not eligible for this draft. He's not eligible for next (laughs) draft either. 2021 is the first time he's draft eligible. I'm just going to go ahead and write his name down as QB1 for that year. I don't think it's insane at all. I mean, when you look at it, now here's the thing. Justin Fields is is probably going to be a star at Ohio State. You're going to have at some point, I think, and this is how far ahead we are, the Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields debate all over again, coming full circle, because it was a debate in recruiting. They were neck and neck. I think when you look at, though, now Trevor Lawrence winning a championship, playing with guys that aren't going anywhere. That's a big part of this. Travis Etienne, not eligible for the draft. Justin Ross, a freshman, just like Trevor Lawrence. You look at, they got Amari Rogers, T. Higgins. T. Higgins is a man. Exactly. So all of his offensive skill players are not going anywhere, which just means they should dominate on that side of the football going forward. It's hard to even imagine them being outscored at any point next season. Where it gets interesting is the defensive side of the ball. 
they're going to lose some special players. And, and when we say special, it's not a Nick Bosa kind of level talent with these guys, but they meant so much to the program for a long time. And there is a chance that a handful of them will be first round picks. And to me, it starts with a guy that I know you said made himself a lot of money last night, Cleveland Farrell. I mean, yeah. nobody plays harder, I think, it, on the bigger stage than Cleveland Farrell. He, he's an absolute dog. He's a great player. He's technically sound. He's strong. He's got the size. There's really no scheme fit concerns for me with Farrell, which is going to differentiate him from some guys like a Jakai Polite. So when you look at it, you know, there are, is he going to be the flashiest prospect? I think no. But when you're talking about a lo- who I feel deserves to be a lock in the top 15 because that floor is so high, yeah. I, I point to Cleveland Farrell. You know, it's wild. And I we all forget this. Cleveland Farrell's a redshirt junior. So he doesn't. And he hasn't said yet yep. because they obviously they just won the national championship. We'll hear. And I expect we will hear he's going to declare. But we also thought last year that Christian Wilkins would declare and he didn't. He went back to school. And I think that's a big part of this run. A lot of people questioned it when Farrell Wilkins and Austin Bryant decided to go back to school one year ago. They said we have unfinished business and went back and absolutely dominated the season. They were they are the, the reason that this team was able to go 14 and 0 and win a national championship is because of how good that defensive front was. And like you said, my money maker from the game is Cleveland Farrell. Like there's that there's that play and I think Mello clipped it out on Twitter of him just bull rushing Jonah Williams, which does not happen. And he put Jonah Williams right on his ass and got to the quarterback. His length, his power, his motor it's it's all very good. And and no, he's not athletically, he's not Nick Bosa. But like you said, his floor is so incredibly high that I'm pretty excited about him as a prospect. Without a doubt. And I think back to the point you make, that play to us said a lot more. And, and Mello said this right away after he posted the play. He said, this play says more to me about Cleland than it does about Jonah. Because we know Jonah's a, a damn good offensive line prospect. Yeah. He just got beat. And you're talking about winning the toughest matchups. I mean, he's not going to, Cleveland Farrell's not going to come across a tougher matchup this year in college football than that one. And he passed the test. So there was a lot to take away from that game, a lot of good. And I think Christian Wilkins is a guy that deserves a lot of, just another guy that has meant so much to the Clemson program and always puts out his best effort on the field. I am curious to see if he is a round one player. I know he was a fringe round one guy last year. But, you know, before we get away from this national title game, there, of course, are going to be some disappointments. And yeah. for me, a guy that just did not have a college football playoff, and maybe it's because he finally looked vulnerable, to be fair. Deontay Thompson, if you and I about a month ago, two months ago, said when we were doing mock drafts, the one concern is he's probably 175 pounds, and that'll drop you, you know, maybe picks 15 to 25. Now he's starting to have some mental lapses in coverage. You know, we got excited. I was guilty of it. Got really excited. Really, this could be a top five pick, a yeah. special kind of free, you know, roaming safety. I do think there are some concerns now, and I, I think he's definitely still in that round one conversation. But just looking in the moments of the college football playoff and the title game and the game leading up to it, Thompson was a little bit of a letdown. That yeah, I thought so. I, and I think there are times like the more that we start to break his tape down, and we'll see if he actually declares or not. But he is not. Like a willing tackler a lot of the time. You're going to see a lot of looping angles to the football instead of direct lines, direct paths. Someone asked me on Twitter who I like better between he and Minka, and it's not close. I like Minka a million times better because of his physicality, his versatility, his football IQ. Uh, it, it was all much, much higher. So I agree with you. Deontay Thompson was a letdown. How about this one? And I know he's not draft eligible yet, but Tua was a letdown. 
two interceptions, looked rattled all night long. Yep. Arm strength looked questionable, I think, at times. And he did show great accuracy. There was a throw to Jerry Judy where you're like, not very many people can make that throw. So it's not like I'm down on Tua as a prospect now, but it was a disappointing game for him when, I mean, two two interceptions, took some sacks that I don't think he should have. Missed some, and yeah, missed some missed pressure. Missed some throws and just all all around just kind of looked flustered by what Clemson was bringing, um, especially with all those DBs on the field. So two of was my letdown. How about a sleeper? Uh, I don't know who you have, but I'm going to go ahead and jump the gun on a 2020 player, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, he kind of plays the outside backer, like a safety rover for, for Clemson. Uh, he is a redshirt sophomore, so he technically could come out. I don't think he will, though. 6'3", 225, he wears number 11. He was all over the field in the playoffs for, for Clemson. Arguably, I mean, other than Cleveland Farrell, probably their most important player on defense these last two games. Yeah, it was a blast to watch him. I mean, we got to watch the game together last night, and when Simmons, you know, was out there making plays, he said, this guy is the real deal. Keep an eye on him now, even though he's not a yeah. draft eligible. And I love Trey Lamar, too, their middle linebacker, who's a junior and might not come out. I would say he should be back, yeah. you would think. Um I, this isn't even really a sleeper, but more of he was slept on for so long, and now that's finally over, and this ties in. We're going to do favorite moment, so this is two and one. I mean, you know I love Travis Etienne. Yeah. And when you look at him, it, it's fascinating to me because he's finally given the star recognition when for so long he was buried behind Cam Akers, Najee Harris, you know, Jonathan, Jonathan, Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Dillon. The list goes on and on, and in that group of running backs, because this is a sophomore running back, nobody really talked about it. He was just the guy that happened to be on Clemson. You know, obviously the quarterback when Trevor Lawrence gets a lot of love. The receivers get a lot of love. To me, when you look at a foundation of a team or somebody that you can consistently go back to and rely on week after week, that was Travis Etienne. I mean, he finishes the year with almost 1,700 rushing yards. Matt, he had 24 rushing touchdowns. It was amazing. 24. He should have been in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I completely agree. Well, he should have had someone else there that wasn't a quarterback. Which is why we should be voting for that award this morning. My point not is, not a month ago, everybody that watched college football, especially down the stretch, was saying, this guy matters a lot more to this team than he gets credit for. And, and you look at the national title game against Alabama front seven, that's, I think, the best in the country. I mean... Their third defensive lineman, Isaiah Bugs, is going to get drafted. That's how, probably in the top three rounds, that's how good this group is. He averaged over six yards a carry. So I know I've been giving Etienne a lot of love this year, especially as a Heisman contender. But this was kind of my send-off of saying my favorite moment and a guy that's broken away from being that sleeper is Etienne. And it was just a blast to watch, and I can't wait for to see the momentum he brings into next season. Yeah, and I want to, I guess this is our call or shot moment, because you were all over Etienne, and I have to give you a ton of credit for that. You saw me, like, come out of my seat last night when my guy Trayvon Mullen started making plays. You've always loved this guy. I have loved him. Uh, From the beginning of the year, this was, like, one of my favorite corners. I have him as the number two ranked corner in the class behind Greedy Williams, and you saw why last night, I think. And you don't want to put too much stock in one game, but the guy's traits showed up and ball skills with the interception, the corner blitz and the, the perfect open field tackle on Tua to bring him down. Trayvon Mullen had a big game in the biggest moment. I would expect he'll take that momentum and declare for the draft. And I, I do think because he is more f- filled out physically, 
I don't know what he'll run versus Greedy, but I think it's more of a competition than a lot of people assume for that number one corner spot. I don't think DeAndre Baker is going to run exceptionally well from Georgia. Uh, we all like Byron Murphy, but he's small. Small guy, yeah. So when it comes down to if you're a team that wants size for man coverage, it's going to come down to Mullen and Greedy, and Mullen's a pretty good fucking player. Like, you can't, people can't forget, oh, he only plays for Clemson. Like, no, he is a great corner. It's almost like him being on the Clemson defense in a way has hurt him because when you look at the identity of defenses, everyone looked at Georgia and said DeAndre Baker. And when you're coming back this year, everybody looked at LSU and said Devin White and Greedy Williams. And you look at Washington, and everyone really said, okay, Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp. But when you look at Clemson, you go Cleland Farrell, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence. You kind of forget that they have a number one corner on that defense. So it, it was really fun to see once again, the national stage brings out the hype in everyone. But you've been talking about Mullen on the show for months, and now it's going to be a really fun draft process for him. It is. Before we uh, move on to coaching news, though. Uh, we might have buried the lead today because everyone wants to talk about the national championship game, right? That's the biggest news. It, it was last night. We're sitting here recording Tuesday morning. We have to talk about it. But how about this? Over the last week, I would say, it has been heating up phone calls, texts, conversations that Kyler Murray is going to play football. And he's not going to do it at Oklahoma. He's going to try and enter the NFL draft. And I, I don't I have my own personal opinions on that. I think it's a mistake. I think you should go play baseball. And that's not me being a Texas fan. Like as a draft analyst, I'm able to separate that. I don't think Kyler Murray should play football. Uh if he wants to, though, we're gonna have to look at him as a prospect. And I said to you last night, if Lamar Jackson could go first round with the the skill set that he has, I don't really know what it takes anymore to go in the first round because it's supply and demand. So could Kyler Murray go in the first round? I actually think he could, even if he shouldn't. I think he would. I think when it comes down to it at the end of the day, especially if we continue to get this influx of college coaches bringing in college systems to the next level. Now, is it one of those things where, yeah, that's going to take a while? Because even if a lot of these college guys get jobs, and depending where they are, they might have quarterbacks, it takes a little while to bring in that system and fully integrate it. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, I just think it's the rule of it only takes one. And with Kyler Murray, somebody will sell themselves, even if it's at the end of round one, like it was with Lamar Jackson. They said, and here's the thing. Kyler Murray is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. He is. He's much smaller. Yes. Well, shorter. That's a good point, too. Much shorter. You might see more uh, ability to develop in Lamar. But with Kyler, there are teams that are going to say, well, if we can get him on the move and get him rolling out and fit him into a certain type of structure, to that team, he might be worth a first-round pick. But I think the biggest takeaway in this conversation is what you just said. Everyone we've talked to, and you talk to a lot more people than me, so it's even a bigger sample size, but even the people I discuss with, it sounds like he's slowly been leaning more and more football for the last month, and now over these last 10 days, it has gotten as real as it possibly can. All right, enough college football. Time to look at the NFL. A lot going on in the coaching cycle. The first big one, the first big shoe to drop, Matt. Matt LaFleur. This is a bit of a shocker. I I would say you can actually see my facial reactions to things. (laughs) Matt just lifted his eyebrows like, oh, man. That really Uh, happened? That wasn't just a drunk dream? that really happened. Um, I I think, like, it's one thing that we can do on Six Football that's maybe unique is like we can offer our, our own like perspective of things. Then I can tell you guys like what I'm hearing. Exactly. Balance and it. 
what I'm hearing, and I, I've been tracking Matt LaFleur for a couple years now as a, a coaching candidate. I don't know anyone who thought he was ready to be a head coach. Uh, I, I mean, he's in Tennessee for one year as an offensive coordinator. He was in with the Rams for one year before that and did not call plays. And then, you know, before that, he was like uh, he was a quarterback's coach for Kyle Shanahan. And so he has been connected to some very great people. Unfortunately, that doesn't always mean that you're a great person, right? right? Like, is he ready to not only like, I mean, is he ready to call plays, but is he ready to be the guy in charge of a, an organization to be the CEO of a team? And I know that sounds like he's keeping Mike Petton around. So that will help on the defensive side of things. That's a good idea. But man, I just, I don't know anyone who's backing this up and like, upset that the Packers stole Matt LaFleur. Well, here's the crazy thing to me when you look at this, you know, from a distance. Matt LaFleur was probably one more bad Titans season on offense away from being on the hot seat or fired. It's like a, a DeFilippe thing where it's like, you know, you you stick around a little bit too long and you get fired and you're like gone. Yeah. And, and now here's the thing. He might absolutely kill it as a head coach but the bottom line is people in the league are number one shocked by this shocked they didn't think he was you know whether it was being ready the thing that my personal opinion because I'm 50 50 on I I lean actually more a little 60 40 I it wasn't my favorite hire it definitely won't be my favorite hire this is the Packers job that's what I kept going back like I'm a Jets fan I understand why people don't want to come to New York I understand why Matt Campbell declined an interview. I understand why, and you could take it however you want. Through the cracks, everyone knows Lincoln Riley was openly not like interested in the right. Jets job. People don't want to come there. This is the Green Bay Packers. This is a historic franchise. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers can rub people the wrong way, but he's that still might Aaron be putting it lightly. He's but yeah. still Aaron Rodgers, though. Right. He is still Aaron Rodgers. You're right. But like, but he's still Aaron Rodgers, Connor. Yeah, his parents don't even like him. Like, I mean, Bruce Arians having zero interest in that job said a lot to me. Yeah, and if if Mike McCarthy were not the classy motherfucker that he is, we would be hearing so much right now. He doesn't get enough credit for that, by the way. You can say what you because I've been vocal that I don't want Mike McCarthy to coach the Jets, and that's nothing personal against him. I think it's actually a bad fit for both sides. Mike McCarthy is a genuine, uh, all class person that went out of Green Bay. The not the easy way, but right. the right way. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, because he could have burnt that shit down on his way out. There was enough that he could have just lit the match, and it would have gone up. Because I mean, we've all heard stuff behind closed doors, and I we should get our guy Aaron Nagler on just to talk about we it really a little should. bit. Because yeah. I don't I don't know anyone who's more plugged into that situation than he is. But man, it's it's crazy just how how much smoke there was there about. Rogers changing plays, ignoring play calls, like not really trying anymore. And now you're going to bring in a, a very young first time head coach who is going to have to manage that. And I think that's a very hard situation. So yeah, Matt LaFleur is the first, <laughs> the first domino to fall, which is shocking to me. Uh, your jets have interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, excuse me, Matt rule. Uh, I think uh, Todd Mockin is getting interviewed. Yep. They interviewed Mike McCarthy. Jim they interviewed Caldwell. Adam Gase. Jim Caldwell. Jesus, the nicest Chris, man in Chris the world. Chris Richard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the Jets have interviewed a lot of people. And, and the rule, it's, this is something I want to talk about with you because I feel like you have a really, really unique and good perspective on this. The rule interview was never officially announced. Oh, you can't. 
And right, because it would affect the recruiting. Right. Trail. You can't when you're a college guy, basically it gets announced that you interviewed when you take the job. And Jason Lock and Fora came out because I want to give him credit and said the Jets have already met with Matt Rule. And a lot of people knowing how uh, on top of Jets coverage, I am reached out to me, not in DM, open on Twitter and said, you know, do you trust this report? And I'm to be honest with them. It's 100 percent true. Yeah. The Jets met with Matt Rule. Oh, without a doubt. It's, I can understand why people would hear a Jason Lockafora report and be like, well, because he said Ryan Grigson was going to the Niners and he now works for the Raiders. I just so. want that to be known, though, <laughs> that the Jets have met with Matt Rule. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't know why people are pushing back on that. The Cliff Kingsbury situation now is fascinating because he, he had all the leverage in the world. Let's just get that. Straight. Without a doubt. I mean, these interviews are real. Arizona's interests. Very, very, very real. real. And hopefully when this show comes out, he isn't already their coach. He might be. I mean, he's interviewing with them as we're recording. So, so I, after, I think there's a very strong possibility that that happens. And then, I mean, the Jets interest is real. I don't know if he's the Jets top guy. That would surprise me a little bit. I think that's a roll of the dice that we haven't seen the Johnsons take because yeah. sure. Mike McCagnan, you know, is involved in this hire. He's the GM. But at the end of the day, the Johnsons own the team, and they're right. going to be involved in that hire. Very much so. That's what people forget. Like, that's why I actually think Cliff Kingsbury goes to Arizona, because once they meet him, like the ownership and Steve Kime, they're going to fall in love with him. Yeah. And they'll be like, here are the keys. Have fun. Here's Josh Rosen. Have fun. So we are leaning on the side that Cliff Kingsbury does get an NFL head coach. I think he job, does. Just to put that out. I, I think he does. And I, I would, if it's not Arizona, it's probably the Jets, but it's probably Arizona. Uh, which is crazy. It, it's like, so you have the extremes of Cliff Kingsbury, Matt LaFleur, and then you have like the Mike Munchak, who's probably going to Denver or Vic Fangio. Like it's down to those two guys is at least what I was hearing Monday night. So it's like you have the old guys who, and Munchak has had his shot. Fangio has not. So I don't know if everyone's now hoping that they'll get like the Mike Zimmer, you know, because it's like, Everything's yeah. in cycles almost. Like, so do you want the Sean McVay or do you want the Mike Zimmer? So what do you think of the Fangio thing? Because a lot of people ask that question. They said, how has this guy not got a head coaching job? I just, he's never, I mean, I'm a Niners fan. I loved him as the DC out there in San Francisco and he was innovative, but he does not like rub people the right way all the time. And, and being a head coach is a lot of politics. Of course. You got to play the politics of it. And if Matt he's LaFleur not been willing to do it. Job. Yeah. Matt LaFleur is friends with Sean McVay. I said to, to you last night, Sean McVay's gardener is going to get a head coaching job before just why a lot, a lot more that. people that, that maybe deserve that job. So it's it's crazy, though, how, how it's swinging. Uh, Bruce Arians is going to resurface in Tampa. I think we all expect that to happen very soon. Your guy, Todd Bowles, probably follows him as defensive coordinator. I think so. And maybe as like a head coach in waiting. I don't really do that in the NFL like they do in college, but Unwritten, I see that. But yeah. it, it would make a lot of sense. I think the goal of Bruce going there will be he's the guy that can fix Jameis Winston, and Bowles is the guy that at the end of the day can call a defense and one that has struggled. Just think if they had drafted Derwin James. That you'd have his Jamal Adams in Tampa. Yeah. So... That one seems like a lock at this point nearly. They just have to get negotiations wrapped up and everything official. Uh, if you listen to the Monday morning show, I kind of hinted at this. I've heard Vance Joseph is the favorite for the Cincinnati job in a group of candidates that is as the most underwhelming group of candidates. Yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackson has been mentioned in that group. And that's but, really it. Yeah. And so when it comes down to it, I think Vance is definitely the favorite there. Um Dirk Cutter to Atlanta as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I believe that's official as we're sitting here Tuesday morning. So that's going to be – I always liked Dirk as an OC. I, I never really liked him as a head coach, but I think you can go back and look at what he did with Jameis early on. 
I mean, there was some success there. And I don't know that you could put all the failures in Tampa on Cutter. I think some of it does go to the front office. Some of it goes to Jameis, not, you know, developing uh, as a player, as a person. So I, I think Cutter in Atlanta could be really interesting because he absolutely has weapons there, a lot of weapons there. So there, there's plenty to work with. The last one, I, we're trying to get through, you know, give a little taste for every fan base that's looking for a new head coach right now. The mystery one amongst all of these seems to be Cleveland. And Miami. And Miami. Yeah. I well, Them trading, I know the Ravens are negotiating with Harbaugh. Yeah. The, Miami just feels like they're going to do a, they're going to make a move out of nowhere. I don't know. Not for him necessarily, it's, but a big move. It's weird because, like, I could see that because do you remember how badly the owner, Stephen Ross, wanted Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, like it was talking about like that maybe was like, his guy. Maybe he loves the hardballs. Maybe he just wants the hardballs. And guy we haven't brought up in all this, we're just going rapid fire right now, throwing names at you. But a guy that we haven't brought up in all this that is very much in the hunt for a new job is Adam Gase. I still like Adam Gase. I know he has like a weird reputation for it not really working in Miami. He had Ryan Tannehill and Mike Tannenbaum as his GM, basically. Yeah, which is that's hard to win with. It's not great. I, I don't know very many coaches who could go to that situation. The locker room was a mess when he got there as well. I don't know anyone who could do a great job in that situation. It, it also never felt like he was given full, uh, you know, full ability to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I never got the vibe that it, yeah. that was on the table because of the contract. And so, I, listen, I, Adam Gase has his warts. There's no denying Without that there was some problems there, but. You know, when you, you look at him, you go, there is a chance that he turns this thing around with a second opportunity, learns from his mistakes. And a guy that he does understand offense, he does understand players. He just, he wants them to work really hard and he asks a lot out of his players. And guess what? Sometimes in Miami, that doesn't always work. All right. It's uh, probably my favorite time of the Wednesday show, a little draft on draft time. And I am sad that as we're sitting here, if we're not popping tops in the New York studio, but I think that would be frowned upon more here <laughs> than it morning. is in the good old Joplin office. In the morning. It's almost 11. That's, that's the bigger issue. That's a good point. Yeah. Technically, the bars do open soon. Right. So, All right, Devin Shepard with the first question of the show. Are we seeing that Tua is overrated, lacks arm strength, ability to read pressure and coverages? I think Herbert and Costello, if he doesn't declare this year, have to be the top quarterbacks in 2020. Am I right? I See, I don't think so. Like, respectfully, I'm going to disagree. I don't, I don't think that last night showed that, like, let's not freak out about Tua. I agree. Like, he's still a very good player who had a, a little bit of a rough game, like, against a great game plan. Let's see how he bounces back. I don't know that one game undoes what has been a fantastic season for him. Um, and also, like, there were moments last night where he was still fantastic. So, like, I still look at that and, like, damn, like, you know, there were still enough moments like the throw to Judy that stand out to me and show that he is still a top-tier prospect. It was just like, it, it was a bad game. And I, I think that's one thing that's hard. We live in this microwave society. Like, I want everything right now. I want all my analysis right now. Tell me if this player is good or not. I remember Jared Goff throwing five picks in a game of college. People being like, this kid fucking sucks. Like, why do you like him? And it was just one game, you know? Like, Sam Darnold had some rough games. Baker Mayfield had some rough games. Like, it, I don't know that... Like, I wouldn't want to jump off of Tua as a prospect based on one game. I completely agree. I think there's also this thing where, and I think Devin is not, that asked the question, does not fall into this case, seeing as he's well on top of, you know, Justin Herbert and right. Costello, but just average fans, where as draft guys, you talk players up for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, and then they tune in for 
the playoff, the oh, national championship, the a bowl game, and they said, this is the guy you've been talking about the whole time? He sucked today. That's what's one game. Yeah. Exactly. It's one game. That's why scouts don't watch one game. They yeah. go through plenty. So I do like that Devin mentions Costello at Stanford. That's an interesting name that not a lot of people associate in that draft. Right. Class. I mean, Herbert will be up there. Costello will be up there. I, I think Fromm will be up there as well. Of course. Tua's going to be in the mix. Easton at Washington's going to be in the mix. Uh, it could be a very, very good quarterback class. Uh, Stanley at Iowa will get talked about a little bit. So it, it's going to be a good year. I, I think you're actually right on this part, though, Devin, that like, the arm strength is not great from Tua. It looks labored at times, and I don't know that. It, like, I don't see anything mechanically that could clean that up. I just don't think he has the strongest arm. But his touch is what makes him pretty special as a passer, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm still a really big Tua fan, but I think one of the the craziest things that jumped out to me the most this year was when he was on the podium with Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins. And you look and you go. Damn, Dwayne Haskins is really big. And, and he's a big dude. Dwayne is is filled out and he's a true 6'3, 6'3 yeah. and a half. Tua and Kyler look about five inches shorter than him. Yeah. I do wonder how tall Tua is. I think he might Six be 5'11. Oh, really? I do. I wanna I haven't met him. In, if I'm wrong, him if I'm completely wrong, then whatever. And I it's not gonna change how I evaluate him. If he's 5'11, 6'1, I think he's the same player. I'm gonna have to like look up pictures. He's a know. good touch thrower. There are I, there are guys in the NFL that and people get so mad at comparisons, but they're doing it for a stylistic reason. They're not saying that they're yes. gonna be this player. Drew Brees, that's what they look at too. A touch thrower. Same size, the kind of movement in the pocket. Man, this picture of Haskins, Kyler, and Tua is one of the funniest things ever. Kyler looks like their child. Oh, I know. Like, I'm going to, I love being in studio with you because I just show you things. But Dwayne is just so much bigger. Yeah, he looks like a grown man. He yeah. is. But the other two are not. <laughs> so, and when you look at evaluating quarterbacks, so oh, Kyler Murray. It was, it was a great question. I'm telling you, Matt, we're going to have to talk about Kyler Murray. For this year's draft. I can feel it already. Uh, yeah. Let's just get him on the show. It's going to be, it'll be a lot of fun. Well, Baker's going to be furious when you don't have him in round one. 5'9", Kyler Murray. I bet he's 5'9". Five, 5'9", nine. Five, nine, 190. I love That's being taller than quarterback prospects. It makes me so happy. Uh, Alex Hayes has a good one for us. Seems that many Georgia players declared a year too early. Most notably to me, Holyfield. What are our thoughts on guys like Ridley, Hardman, and Holyfield? So I actually don't think it's a year too early. Me either. <laughs> I like especially that they for all came out. Now I get that like you have a very good quarterback there and Jake Fromm. Like, hey, why not stay? I I, I think if these guys are all gonna be top one hundred picks, I, Holyfield's the only reason I hesitate there. Hardman I think will be a top seventy pick. Agree. I think Ridley will be a top hundred pick, and uh, Holyfield could be as well. Um, it, and in this day and age, if you're top hundred, you should go. You should go. And uh, so I like Hardman, especially like as a route runner. His speed is impressive as well. Uh, Ridley is just very nuanced as a receiver prospect. So I I do like him. And then Elijah Holyfield, like you're probably gonna have to split carries a lot next year with Swift, who's really kind of emerging as the guy there. So I I get the idea of you know let's just go ahead and go now. I, I think with Holyfield, who is the lesser player of the three in this group. It's that running back should leave. Why would you just yeah. earn more tread off the tires when you're running back? Go to, you know, go in the, if you're draftable, which I think he is, he's a draftable player. Yeah. When I look at Ridley and Hardman, there's got to be some frustration from either of them when they look at a system like Oklahoma, where you got Marquise Brown yeah. and CD Lamb putting up video game numbers. And there's a lot of programs like this. And those guys are sitting there and they're like, man, we're never getting to a thousand yards here. And it's not a knock on from, it's just not how Georgia plays. System. Yeah. 
when you look at Hardman, this is someone who is going to light up the track. He's going to be a 4-3-5 kind of guy. And I think teams are going to look at the film and go, okay, well, he was open. I mean, they just, yeah. they just don't use him as much. And if he had been used like Marquise Brown, we'd be talking about him as a Marquise Brown type player. Exactly. And I think Ridley is a guy that totally different player from Hardman. Very nuanced route runner. He gains separation. He catches everything. But when it comes down to it, in a receiver class where it's not a bad wide receiver class, it's not. there's no star talent at the top. These are guys that can easily go, like you said, Matt, in the top 75 picks. Yeah, and I when I look at Hardman, like you start to, at this time of year, we start to get into like tiers with your rankings. Hardman and Paris Campbell are the two guys that I can't wait to see at the combine because I think they're going to burn it up there. And like they're very similar athletes to me, but they were used completely differently in college. So seeing what Hardman could do, um, I, I looked at my rankings this morning. I have him as a top 10 receiver, um, and that that will, I expect, bump up the more I get a chance to watch him. But um, it, it's a it's a deep receiver class, I will say that. There's not like that top-tier stud, but it's a very deep receiver class. So that that's good news for him that, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be a top 60 pick. So uh, our buddy Dan, 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 Dan uh, with Haskins now going to the NFL. How crazy would Ohio State's NFL roster look? Him at quarterback, Zeke at running back, Mike Thomas at receiver, the Boses at defensive end, plus a shit ton more. I think Lattimore off the top of my head, Conley. it would be the best. It would be the best roster if you built college rosters. It's a really interesting debate to have because Alabama would, has nothing at quarterback. It would take a lot of time, but it's hard to hard to disagree. I mean, dude, their secondary is Lattimore and Conley on the outside with Denzel Ward playing the slot. And Denzel Ward's the best of the three, yeah, but Hooker at safety. It's insane. It's absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah, it is. I mean, like Oklahoma's offense would be fun, but I don't the offensive line. Well, yeah, shit. You got Lane Johnson, Trent Williams. They'd it, probably be okay. It's a Oklahoma long, would be pretty good. It's a good long too. discussion. Yeah. This would be a fun summer project. And yeah, and that's definitely a good point. It's one of those ones where you sit down, you could do a really a whole shot of yeah. it and go through five to the top teams and do it. Tell you who wouldn't be very good, and that's my Longhorns. <laughs> yeah, that would been be been a drought. Can Vince Young make a comeback? Yeah. Colt McCoy sure. would be the quarterback. Colt McCoy would be the quarterback. And he's hurt. Michigan would honestly be pretty good still. Because you still have Brady, Brady at quarterback. That's right. So yeah, that would be fun. But I think Ohio State would be great. That's a fun question. Would be really. I, good. I really like that question. So much speed at linebacker, man. Darren Lee, Jerome Baker, be very good. And you know, Raekwon McMillan. Yeah, there's there's so much to work with there. And we're going through the more recent guys. I'm sure. Right. There's some guys who are veterans in the for ten years that we're forgetting about. Yeah. All right. Summer project. Mark it down. Damn Supa always sends us really good stuff. Who wins the 2019 Blitkinoff? Jerry Judy versus Justin Ross. Oh, you might be forgetting about some guys. Right? In between those two, I think I would take Judy. He won it this year, and I think that puts him on the radar a little bit more. But, Justin Ross is fantastic. And he has Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have now, Judy he's has gonna split with T. Higgins, and, and Judy's going to split sure. with guys as well. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. What's interesting about the question is, and like you just alluded to, Judy is in the offense with Henry Ruggs, and I mean they'll just keep turning out talent over and over again. Yeah, and Ross has T. Higgins. 
there's so much other pass catchers in their offenses. Does yeah. a guy like us, uh, it Chanel from from Colorado, Colorado, like, yeah, you know, he's just getting the ball every play, right? I mean, in like Texas, sounds like LJ is going to come back. So you got Colin Johnson and LJ. Totally. Michigan has three guys with Peoples Jones, Black, and Collins. Uh, it's a damn good receiver class next year. And so, like, receiver's my favorite position to scout. It, next year's just going to be so much fun for me. Yeah, that's a that's a really good award to keep an eye on. There's just so much talent. There's so much talent at the yeah. position. And I'm sure, again, I'm sure off the top of our heads, we're overlooking, like, really good players because you do. It Everyone is easy remind to, us. <laughs> it's, like, easy to focus on, like, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan, Texas. Oh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb. Shit. Yeah, see? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. So that high school kid is what it sounds like. Or uh, can Tate Martell get a eligible waiver? <laughs> a waiver? A waiver. Jesus, that would be the – yeah, they like short quarterbacks there. I could see it happening. All right, Travis Johnson, if you're the Raiders, do you trade your two late first-round picks to move up and get another impact defender like Devin White, or would you rather sit tight and take the best two available? So they have uh, three picks in the round. Uh, number four overall. Then they have Chicago and Dallas's picks. So they're going to have one in the early 20s, one probably in the mid-20s, depending on the run that Dallas makes. In this draft class specifically, I would sit tight. Like I, I would, would not. You would move up? I'd move up. Um, I look at and the you also ra- have yeah. like 35 or whatever. See, that, and that makes me feel better about it. I do, I do like the Devin White suggestion because I think the Raiders are a team that should be looking to get fast on defense. So if you took Ed Oliver at four and you package the two ones to go get Devin White, and at 35, you get yourself another corner, you come out of this. Because let's be real, Matt, the Raiders aren't winning in 2019, no. and that's okay. You chose, I know you didn't, Raiders fans, we're sorry. But you have <laughs> leadership that chose to blow this thing up. If your rebuild starts with Ed Oliver, Devin White, and, you know, let's just say... Let's say Trayvon Mullen or DeAndre Baker do fall, or Byron Murphy, one of the three corners that's not named Greedy Williams. I mean, you come out of this draft with those three guys? Yeah, that's it helps pretty quickly. I, I think, and maybe it's more specific to the Raiders, I think with a first-time GM, you need as many cracks to the bat as you can get. That's fair. So, like, um, I remember when, when John Schneider and those guys got to Seattle, their big thing was, like, we want to take as many swings as possible because we have a better chance of hitting that way. And I think with Mayock, that's kind of where you are right now. Like, you need uh, to give him as many chances, <clears throat> excuse me, as you can to find guys because this is new to him. And I'm not saying he's going to fail or succeed. We don't know yet. But I would want him to have as many picks as possible. Although, like, I do see your point, Connor. It's easier to trade up and get two top 10 players. Like, uh, it's easy, right? Anyone can evaluate top 10 players. It's pretty. It's not... That's not the hardest part of our job. Like Devin White and Ed Oliver are really good at football. Yeah. If they're Problem not, solved. we'll be shocked. Right. So maybe you do try to simplify things that way. You talked yourself into it. I did. Like, as I sit here more, I'm like, well, fuck. They're just going to mess those picks up anyways. You might as well trade up and get good players. But to play devil's advocate here, if they do sit and you want a lot, if Travis wants a linebacker, you sit there and you go, okay, well, we got Ed Oliver at four. I'm just going to keep hammering that yeah, it's over happen. and over again. It's fine. It's great. Then you get maybe Devin Bush. Yeah. And another player. And another player. So you come out with four players. Now, I do think Devin White is a better player than Devin Bush. I want to I be agree. clear about that. Not a, I don't think there's a huge gap. No. But Devin White is is going to test a lot better. Yes, he Yeah. If he comes out. he uh, You know who I compared him to? Miles Jack. So did I. 
I had a feeling. Look at that. It's almost yeah. like we spent a lot of time right. together. It's like we talk about Well, because it's kind of easy when you look at they're the same exact build. They're yeah. 6'1", 240. They both played running back. They're both yeah, look, they look the same on film. Yeah. I think White might be a little tougher. That's interesting. I like Miles. I liked him. I think he was the number two or three player for me in that class. I loved him, but yeah. I just think White's a little tougher. How about your uh, your Jalen Smith comeback this year? Man, we don't, don't we don't really spend any time on that. No, because we don't do a whole lot of NFL. Wasn't but... Jalen Smith at one point your number one overall player? Yeah, yeah, he was, and I I think he ended up. I can look real quick. I didn't move him down a whole lot. It no. was I was really torn on what to do that year, and I remember talking to you, talking to my editor, talking to a lot of people, like, "Hey, what should I do with this?" Because like this guy's amazing. Uh, I I moved him down, so I had Jalen Ramsey at one. Miles Jack at two and Jalen Smith at three. So I I bumped him okay, down. He went to three. A tiny, <laughs> yeah. tiny amount. Yeah, and it, it, amazing comeback, man. And a testament to his work ethic and to the doctors in Dallas totally. as well. You know, it's a fascinating debate. What do you do with guys that are complete injury wild cards? That year, I moved him. I think I had him at like six, and I moved him to nineteen. I was like, I'm not taking him out of the top twenty. Yeah. I was, but I was nervous because the way it was explained to us from people was we we're like, we don't know if he'll ever come back. Is that nerve? You know, right. everything. A lot of people on. on Twitter, too, were very pessimistic. Like, yes. he'll never play again. Why are you like, because I would talk to Jalen and he would be like, hey, here's where I'm at. And I would share it. And people uh, would be like that. He's lying to you. He's never going to play again. He can't even walk. And he would post workout videos and people would go out it. of their way to shit on it. Yeah. It's like, so I'm happy for him just because he's been awesome. Yeah. And he does get to rub that in people's faces that he's he's made this comeback. So. Um, all right, next question from our buddy Ruben, Roman Tomasov. Ruben. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one, but that's all right. We'll go back to the next one. Who would you say is a better fit for the Seahawks right now and would be a better first-round pick for them, Greg Little or Taylor Rapp? So they're probably going to lose Earl Thomas in free agency. I don't yeah, know that Taylor so. Rapp's a free safety, though. Like I, I know he's versatile. He could kind of play either or. Um, I think they need offensive line help. I would roll the dice and try to get a safety like a Mike Edwards from Kentucky a little bit later. Here's the problem with this question, though. I don't really like Greg Little. I don't either. In the third round, I'd roll the dice. There are people that are like, oh, he's been solid this year. What? Not in the games I've watched. I like David Edwards from Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think he's a first-rounder, though. What about uh, Kajust? Oh, yeah. But maybe if he's, he, if he's there. That's late. That's late for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, thanks to that loss, uh, where they're picking probably about 20? 22. Okay. Let me look. 21. Ah, that's about where he'll go. I think Kajus goes right around there. Okay. I would like him a lot better for them. But I really do like Taylor, ha- Taylor Rapp belongs on the Seahawks. He does. Yeah. So I, I do like that fit. I think I, 21's early for Rapp, though. It's a little early. Yeah. I, he see, I, people keep asking me, do you think he goes round one? And I keep saying he's really in that, like, he feels like he's the classic guy you say top 40. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going right. to go. Here's how the Taylor Rapp thing's going to go. We're going to do the draft. We're going to be really wired. It's going to be wild. Then here's the thing I always tell people at, at Bleacher Report. The most exciting part of the draft is the buildup into day two because of all the guys on the board we've been so excited about that didn't go around one, and all these teams are trying to trade up to yes. get them. That's that who Taylor Rapp, that's who yeah. Taylor Rapp is to me. Like last year, it was Nick Chubb. It was like you got to get back up for Nick Chubb. Like totally. you got to do it. It's like okay, yeah, okay. it'll happen. All right, Wyatt is wondering with how special the 2021 class is looking. Do you guys think it is better or worse than the 2011 draft that produced Julio Jones, Patrick Peterson, and on and on and on? 
I think it's a little early to say when you can't really – we're not stacking a 2021 board. I think right. surface-level broadcast view, it could have elite players at the most important positions. I think that's at the most marketable positions, too. That's a better point. Like, the 2011 draft, like, I mean, arguably the best player from that class is J.J. Watt, right? Or Von Miller. Von. Probably Von. So Von. it's like – and he's a Hall of Famer. He's a great player, but – Everyone focuses on the quarterbacks. You know, it's Cam Newton. And of those quarterbacks, I mean, I guess you could say Andy Dalton was a hit because he got him in the second round. But Cam and Andy are the only quarterbacks that you would really call hits in that class. So 2011, here was the draft. It was Cam Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, who has busted, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Alden Smith, busted, Jake Locker, Tyron Smith, Blaine Gabbert, J.J. Watt, Christian Ponder, Nick Fairley, Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, Ryan Kerrigan. That was the top 16. Fascinating. Only four of those players has not been a pro bowler. That's insane. And some of those, like Darius made the pro bowl and then washed out. Alden Smith made a pro bowl and washed out. But very good players. That's insane. Yeah. And And, and while while I have you here in studio, would you trade Von Miller if you were John Elway? Yeah. You would. I would. I would trade anyone. You know that but about no, me. I get like, your, I'm getting to that I point. already get your argument. That, yes. <laughs> you, well, you you think like an NFL person, he's going to be turning 30 in March. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to make this clear. Von Miller has not slowed down. At all. At no. all. No. He'll, till he's 36. He's going to be like Elvis Dumerville. Um, and DeMarcus Ware. Yeah. That's exactly. Ex- ex- Dumerville and Ware. Yeah. Guys that just, Julius Peppers. Suggs. There is Suggs. Is, yeah, I don't. Suggs found the fountain of youth. Right. Well, I mean, it's unbelievable, or some good protein powder. But either way, I understand trading Vaughn because you could strike while the iron's hot, even though it's right. always going to be hot. But I, I do have a little bit of a problem with how Elway kind of framed it. Yeah, I would have framed it much differently. Like Va- Vaughn's mom was right for responding. Yeah, that, I love mom getting on there. I mean, that dude has been the franchise now. You could argue he won he won you a Super Bowl. So I, I didn't love that. But I understand trading him because if you can get back a lot of capital when you know you're not going to be competitive, or it's just a matter of do you think you're going to be competitive if you're Denver? Right. And man, what would you get for Vaughn? You could get two first, probably. And are those going to be used to go up for a quarterback this year? I would hope not. This is not the year. But if you could use them and go get Tua, then I get it. Yeah. I just I would trade anyone. I've gone on this show and said I would trade Aaron Rodgers. So you did do this, and I still would. Like it, no problem with it. Guys only get worse as they get older. You can't be attached to anyone. You got to go. Matt Lafleur with Deshaun Kaiser, <laughs> right? Your 2019 Green Jesus. Bay Packers, and they would have excited. the first pick. Sometimes you gotta you gotta go tank. down to go up. You have to tank. Yeah, I totally get it. All right, last question from New Gold X14. That's a Reddit username. Sounds like one. <laughs> Any thoughts on Penn State guard Connor McGovern? I've seen Mel Kuyper's extremely high on him, but curious on Matt's thoughts now that he's officially declared. I like him as a lot as a lot as well. I don't think I'm as high on him as uh, Kuyper. I have him as the number two guard behind Cody Ford from Oklahoma, who played tackle for them. I project he'll kick he inside looks like guard. a guard. Yeah, McGovern, uh, super super polished tape. I uh, think he's strong enough. Definitely has a size. That, that we all look for and get crazy about. He's probably a round two guy for me, but I, I did really like his tape. And um, anytime you watched Saquon or anytime you watch Miles Sanders, like you would always get drawn in to watch uh, McGovern. He's number 66. Like he's 
he's one of those dudes, he's like tall, and you're like, oh, he's kind of lean. And then you look, and he's 325. So he has a great build, great length, very, very tough, uh, very productive as a lineman, leader for the team. Like, he has, he checks all the boxes. So I think he'll be a, a plug-and-play um, actually, my comparison for him would be like Braden Smith, uh, who came out of Auburn last year, and we thought would be a guard. But now, I mean, he's playing tackle for the Colts and doing really well. I think he's a lot like him. That's that's a good sign when you're compared to that guy. Um, that's pretty high praise right now. Yeah. He's had quietly one of the best rookie seasons. So before we go, we're getting a, really close to the Senior Bowl here. Just a reminder for you guys: we're going to have live shows at Draft Picks Tap Room again. They are going to be on Monday night. That is the twenty first. And Wednesday night on the 23rd in Mobile, Alabama. So if you're at the Senior Bowl, come to the shows. It's going to be a ton of fun. We'll buy you beer. We'll buy everybody beer. It's always a really good time. You come hang out. We hang out hours after the show yeah. at the bar. So it's fun. And you like you get to come meet up with us, listen to us do the show. Uh, you can ask questions on the show as well. We'll have, we'll have speakers this year. Yeah. So if you're in the back back of the bar, you'll be able to hear the show. <laughs> right, exactly. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's a great like time to just come chill and like get caught up. We'll do a senior bowl preview Monday night and then Wednesday night we'll kind of review what we saw practices for the two days. So it is gonna be a lot of fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be me, you, mellow, TR, God willing, we'll be there if his kidneys can make it. Yeah, uh, or if he recovers from that yeah, loss. <laughs> geez, yeah, also that. Uh, so it, it is going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hopefully we see all you guys out there. Again, yeah, if you can make it to Mobile, definitely do it. So, all right, buddy, that's our show. It's nice being in this fancy studio that's so hot. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how – this is how you stay skinny. You're just sitting here and sweat. I love it's it. My, it's actually my sauna yeah. that just feels his part-time feels studio. Like but we will talk to you guys again uh, Friday morning uh, when Mellow, Connor, and I give you the stickies. Stickies.